0: Yo, what is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joy Christopoulos. Today's
1: episode of Believe in Bears is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The Super Bowl, guys, it's right around the corner. And look, it might not be coming for the Bears this season. But if you're looking for a place to place a bet on sports going forward, BetOnline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. The Masters coming up right now. The odds are already out. Dustin Johnson, 7.5 favorite. Bryson DeChambeau, 11-1. to one. And from game spreads and totals, the team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to that BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, the Bears' season is over. They lose a heartbreaker or a heart smasher yesterday to the New Orleans Saints in the wild card round, twenty-one to nine. The game wasn't as close as that, Cameron. They scored a touchdown with just seconds left to Jimmy Graham to make it a little bit closer to maybe, I don't know, take a couple of those spreads. If anyone was pushing that spread pass over 10 points right there, they kind of ruined that for all those betters out there in the world. Cameron, I cede the floor to you. We're going to touch a little bit on the game, but we're going to talk big picture stuff today. What were your initial thoughts on that Bears loss yesterday?
0: The Bears looked like a team that didn't necessarily deserve to be there. You know, there was just opportunity after opportunity missed or they shoot themselves in the foot, lots of penalties and the inability to execute when that moment comes. And when you get into the playoffs, like that's how we really separate like the teams that deserve this versus the teams that just happen to back their way in there The season where we expand the playoff field uh, to, to an additional team. So, you know, I, with this, this season has been a weird one for the Bears and it has been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And I feel like all season we spent – Trying to answer the question of is this team for real? Are they not? Who are they? And um, you know, I think we kind of got what we deserved. They're they're an okay team, and they were worth the shot. But once they got in the playoffs, they they just have a long way to go. Yeah, Cameron.
1: When you're talking about you know not taking advantage of opportunities, we can go down the list of numbers all day long. One for ten on third down. You know, all the penalties that they have, you know, the neutral zone infractions that gave the Saints multiple first downs. I think they were in the red zone. The Saints were, what, maybe like 12 plays or something like that at one point in the game, just because penalties kept giving them a new set of downs. You know, the unsportsmanlike penalties, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Javon Wims dropping an excellent play call, perfectly designed touchdown pass in the first half. that could have given them a ton of momentum, didn't go their way. The longest rush of the game was a seven-yard rush from Mitch Trubisky that happened in like the fourth quarter of the game. So Cameron, just my question for you is this team is eight and eight. It's been up and down all season long. We've talked about it. We've documented it the way that they played yesterday, a a manner of them playing sloppy, undisciplined football, maybe not being ready and coached up for success. Or was it just a little bit more about like the constitution and iteration of this team? When you put them all together, once you get to the playoffs and you get to that extra level, those flaws, those deficiencies, they just kind of bore themselves out a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think when you get to this level, at this point in the season and this level of football and every team that you're going to face, you know, you have the opportunity of playing, you know, the top tier, the top competition, those little mistakes, those small things that you may be able to get away with early on in the season or against a a lesser opponent, those things become magnified. And when you're going up against a team like the Saints, who have weapons all over the place and are great on offense and are great on defense and, you know, really, take advantage of those small opportunities and those small mistakes you just really can't afford to miss and it just seemed like the Bears just kind of missed time and time again and and obviously you know the they drop touchdown but it's just like you know you'll have a big play and immediately follow it up with a with a with a penalty of some sort and it, you know it's not all on them they're bad calls and stuff but it's just it doesn't seem like better teams overcome that or avoid those simple, silly mistakes. Find it hard to believe that uh, this team has a ceiling much higher than this. You know, we've kind of seen them get into the playoffs and but I, I don't really know how much more there is to it. I just kind of think it is what it is at this point and that's an expression that I hate but that's, that's kind of seems to be the way it is right now.
1: Well, and it's the question that you're very fair to ask because the Bears, in a theory, in a world put themselves in a position to not only just being competitive in that game, but maybe walk out with a victory. I mean, they, they left a field goal on the board. They went for it on fourth and four and Cameron, let's just go right to that touchdown as a former player. Bring me some honesty right now. You know, everyone says, you know what? If that play doesn't work out, you got to get right back out there and you got to do the next play. And I believe in all that stuff, but man, when you draw that up so perfectly, they've been showing all season long, this wildcat of Dave Montgomery taking direct snap. And all of a sudden you see him moving on a shovel pass to Corderell, Corderell, Trubisky, Trubisky in the air, perfect throw, a dime pass 60 yards down the field dropped in the end zone as a
0: former player. What goes through your mind? How can it not be deflating your human beings? It's disheartening, man, when it takes so much for this team to have a chance at those big time plays, we even put it in our keys to the game is that they were going to have to take some chances downfield and not just take the chances, but, hit on it. You know, you have to execute like the entire team is counting on that play being made. And I don't want to like put this loss in the hands of Javon Wims because he'd probably drop it. But um, it's just so crucial to like just the confidence and the flow of this thing that like, hey, we're going to drop a great play. You know, we're going to drop something because we have these deficiencies here and here and here. So we're going to have to really scheme up our best stuff to have a chance. And you did it and you executed it and mitch made a throw that all year we've said can he make that throw and then it just great throw it's perfect throw like absolutely perfect throw and it just went right through the hands and it's like i mean this is it like that's the season you know what i mean like it just there was just there was a lot of opportunities and sometimes it looked good and sometimes it looked good looked bad but you never were able to really hit that big home run that big chance and and you know, I just think that was representative of so much more.
1: Yeah. It doesn't lose the game. It doesn't win the game, but it does shut the door on what possibly could have been a completely different Avenue of whatever you want to call it. Momentum play, calling posturing, you know, maybe how you work a two minute drill to the end, of the half when you have the ball at the minute 50 to go, instead of maybe running it and then deciding, Oh no, we're just going to take it to halftime and get the ball back. You know, it can change a lot of different things and all season long, We've been talking about this. It's just those moments where this bears offense, you know, it's been through so many different iterations on the offensive line at quarterback, you know, even in terms of play calling, because we turned into a running unit later in the season as we were a passing only unit in the middle of the season. But these are the moments right here where a team with such small margin for error and a team that has seen so many, I, I should say so little, so lack of few big plays this season to not be able to get that in a crucial moment and all season long, Bears fans is hammering on Matt Nagy with his play calls. And we've got a couple that we could probably hammer on him on in this game for sure. But finally, they dial it up perfectly. They scheme it up just right. And the quarterback, as you mentioned, that, you know, over 25 yards, you know, his air completion percentage just really hasn't been there this season. Those are perfect ball to Javon Wimps and Cameron. What perfect karma, honestly, for a guy who in week eight punched a dude, punched Gardner Johnson on the Saints out of nowhere in a game the Bears were winning. After that moment happened, the, the, the ceiling collapsed, and they ended up taking that game to overtime and losing that game. The game they were in control of in the first half. That same dude who they kept on the team, who I think we asked, you know, we asked you a couple months ago what you thought about that. I think you probably said we should probably just move on from him. Great guy, but you can't have it around. He comes back, and because Darnell Mooney's injured, now
0: he's the one running the route, and he's the guy who drops the ball. Yeah, I feel like the old man on the couch, but I believe I called for his dismissal from the team after that. It's just such a, it's just such a whack-ass thing to do. I'm sorry. It just wasn't cool by any means. And I don't want to get hung up on the pass, but of course now you're the guy that drops the ball and essentially flipped the momentum of the game and, you know, blew the chance. And I'm not, again, I don't want to overreact to that. Who knows how things would have gone out. And I don't think it was going to be in the Bears' favor, even if that play does get made. But it's such a huge, crucial swing of momentum when you execute, like that was their play. You know, like every week they're probably going in there saying like, you know, like this is the special thing that we've got drawn up. This is our opportunity. You ha- you you can't miss that. You just cannot miss that. And when that throw comes, when that ball hits you in the hands in the end zone, like there it is, man. There it is. That's your chance. And they've been running that
1: formation what for about four or five weeks now since Trubby came back. That Wildcat we didn't really like it. And they're setting it up. Really, it's, it's never a really setup. worked out, and it's a total setup. And they even mentioned in the post game last night that they thought about bringing that out against the Packers last week kind of wish that they did, but they didn't get the look that they wanted. They finally did. And it worked out perfectly. You know, we're we're recording this today on a Monday because I talked to you last night and I think if bears fans want to hop into this pod to hear about what happened during this playoff game, you know, just put on your DVR and watch the game again. I mean, we don't need to go through, you know, the crime scene of this corpse of an awful, another awful playoff performance by the Chicago bears. So I do want to talk about big picture stuff. My final one from the game though, is we got to talk about Anthony Miller just for a moment. I've been very conflicted about Anthony Miller because from the moment that he's been on the Bears, there's been something about him that just never rubbed me the right way. Every time I see him make a play, he's always like yelling and chirping on the sidelines. I don't mind taking your passion onto the field. I know Matt Nagy says, be you. But there's a line in the sand a little bit. And I I always have kind of a pushback on people that feel like that they need to be jerks on the field to be successful, you know, to have that edge, if you will. I think there is a line in the sand there. And throughout the career of Anthony Miller, what I've seen is him putting up a good game, disappearing for a couple games, having a couple of drops here and there. I've seen him have unsportsmanlike like penalties after big receptions. I've seen him have taunting penalties after touchdowns. And I, I've just seen a guy that is not been consistent. The only thing that I've seen him be consistent with is him jawing and talking after plays? You know, I think him maybe carrying himself without necessarily proving himself on the field. You know, the Cole Komet thing, I thought that call was a bit bullshit. The Anthony Miller thing, it's inexcusable, man. And I, I just want to hear your thoughts on it because personally, I'm just done with the dude. I, I don't care. We traded up to get him. I think he's really talented. He has huge hands. He can make really good plays. But how can you have that type of guy on the team when we're not even talented enough to have the luxury to have a dude do that in the in the middle of a game a middle of a playoff game Cameron just want to hear your thoughts on that
0: you know there's definitely some talent there as far as like an accountability standpoint he's just not someone that I feel like we can go into week after week and count on him and count on him to be there and he just makes big mistakes I mean just big time errors at the wrong time and I don't think he's a winning player I, I don't I don't think he's a got a he's a winning player I don't think he's part of a winning culture you know we talk about culture guys and blue guys and kind of knowing your role on a team and in an or, or in, in, an organization. And I don't think he's like really proven that he's someone that like we can count on or trust or he's, he's frustrating. He's just, he's really frustrating to see. And, and you mentioned, you know, trading up to, to get up with a guy like that. It just feels like a, it feels like a waste, you know? It's just really confusing for me,
1: especially when you're in a playoff game. I mean, it's just like, what are you talking to them about? Honestly, like you're in the playoffs, man. You, It's of all the times you just really got to focus. Again, I don't want to be the guy yelling on the couch either. Like I personally, I'm the kind of guy who likes Allen Robinson. He makes a great play. makes a great reception. He just stands up, points his fingers forward for first down and just sort of calls it a day. I'm cool with that. I'm also cool with people expressing themselves and jawing and, and being demonstrative after a sack, after a touchdown. I like to be entertained and everything, but the time and place with him is so confusing to me. And beyond this on sportsman, like he was talking the whole game before that, even after plays when he even wasn't even involved in,
0: it just doesn't make any sense to me. If you're going to do that, you got to be able to back it up. And like you mentioned, like Allen Robinson, who's by far the bears most talented receiver who goes out and balls out every single week and doesn't say anything. And now we got Anthony Miller. Who's the third best player third best receiver in this group you know I mean I think he's you know surpassed been surpassed by Darnell Mooney and wants to come out there and only talk you know know, talk all the time and and miss you know miss opportunities and not make plays and then when you do make a catch you're gonna go out and and get penalties I mean it's just it's just not it's not a good look and again I don't think he's a winning player
1: yeah I just don't think he should be on the Bears next season my my final point on it too as well as you're bringing it up it's a great point Darnell Mooney misses the game with an injury This is Anthony Miller, a guy who every single season we pump him up and we tell him that this is the year that he has his breakout. This is the year that he becomes the number two. Didn't happen again this season. So if you're Anthony Miller in your head and you hear Darnell Mooney's going to be out with an injury and you're looking at the playoffs, you're like, man, this, this game right here is my opportunity. I need to step up. Not only do I need to make plays, I got to stay in this game. I got to help my team out, man. This can make me, this game can make me millions of dollars. Even if I don't stay with the bears next season, if I have a huge game right here, you know, it probably gets me my next contract. So what the hell is he talking to a new Orleans saints cornerback for of all the positions on offense that we really don't have the, the luxury to lose some guys. It's probably at wide receiver. And you know, you're putting it the best. I, he isn't a winning player. And I don't think he keeps his other teammates in mind. I don't think he keeps the grand scope of what's at stake during a particular game at time. At times, I think he makes a 12 yard catch and I think he pats himself on the back and I think that's a problem. And hopefully he's not a part of the Chicago bears next year.
0: It's just selfish, man. It's just selfish. And there's really no, no room for it on a team like this and a team with especially a team that has going to have as many flaws and faults and, and, you know, just trying to get over those things, you don't need added distractions and added issues. And I just think that's kind of what he is. He's baggage at this point.
1: Yeah. Baggage and no production. Let's spin it forward. We've talked enough about this game. You know, let's talk about some big picture stuff. A lot of decisions are going to have to be made. We're taping this on a Monday four twenty-seven central time right now. So as of right now, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they still have their jobs within the organization, but Cameron, you brought up a great word. Let's drill in on that a little bit. You talked about ceiling all season long we were always trying to talk about, you know, how can we, is it even possible to go back and recapture that 2018 magic? We saw actually some glimpses of it in the final month of the season. We got the running game going. Mitch played some solid football. I thought the defense played fairly, fairly well yesterday, actually, all things considered, you know, they were on the field a lot by that third, fourth quarter. You know, you see him, Hey, Keem Hicks's stomach going in and out. I mean, the dude was just absolutely gassed. So, you know, that's more on the offense than it is on the defense, but, Is it fair that this team, this iteration, this collection of players, this talent, defense and offense, even coaching staff, have they reached their talent ceiling? And my question is, if they haven't, how much further is it really? And this is going to bleed into the Mitch situation, too, as well, where great. You made the playoffs for the second time in three years, but you keep banging your head against the wall with this group of players. Are you looking at what maybe one playoff win? You know, at best and at worst you're going backwards and maybe losing uh, losing like 10 games next
0: year. Has this team reached its ceiling? I think we saw their ceiling in the 2018 version of them. I think this was the, this version of the team. We saw some of the, some of the highlights, but we also saw some of the lows of, of before. I don't, I don't think that they really have the roster makeup and the, and the foundation to get too much higher than this. I think, you know, Maybe a playoff win is, is kind of about what we're looking at. But this isn't a Super Bowl roster. And it just doesn't really seem like a Super Bowl organization at this point. You know, they they've got good pieces. They've got guys that that definitely can improve upon. And and uh, you know, some of these draft picks they may hit or whatever, but I just think that there's a lot more, a lot more to do to get over that next hump. And you kind of see that when you get into these playoff games, you know, there's just there's just a clear distinction between these teams that are the next level and you know like say the Bears who kind of stumbled into the playoffs and barely looked like they belonged, and then uh, you know they they didn't really in that game and, and it was clear so I I think that there's some good and there's some bad but they're just not quite I don't think they're a team that's ready to to make that next step there's there's just a lot of missing pieces at this point yeah, it's funny. You're looking at a team that, that makes it to the
1: postseason after missing the postseason. The year previous, you would think heading into the offseason, oh, we're heading in the right direction. But the Chicago Bears team, they finished the season three and eight over the course of this season against teams that ended up with a plus 500 record. They went one and seven against those teams this year. And when you said stumbled in the playoffs, Cameron, I immediately thought of a child. Like they go five and one, they lose six in a row, they win three in a row, and then they back in the playoffs. It's like a child who gets up and walks. And everyone goes, quick, get the camera. The kid is walking, walks four or five steps, and then face plants. Cries for a couple seconds. The parent runs over, picks him up. You okay? You're okay. Little tears, little tears. He's okay. Gets back up, put him back on his feet, takes a couple more steps, and then, boom, flies right down on his face. It might just not be a team that's ready to walk, Cameron. And that's why maybe change needs to be made in the offseason.
0: I think that's the case exactly, you know, and it's not really a matter of looking to walk i mean like we want to run we want to be able to you know to to play at those higher levels with the better teams in the nfl and and that's the thing is that we keep coming back to is there's definitely good things out there like there are good pieces of this team there are you know i i don't look at this group and go oh this is a this is an absolute tear down and they're they were a nightmare they weren't a nightmare you know they they won eight games they get in the playoffs like that's great but I don't think that the expectation around uh, Chicago and around this organization is to be a team that kind of stumbles into the playoffs. I mean, like, I think that there's a, there's a lot more um, that people are expecting and hoping for from this organization and, and the future moving forward. And I think that there's going to have to be serious changes. You know, the, the, the ceiling for this group is, I think, kind of right around this, you know, eight, eight wins, maybe nine wins, 10 wins, find your way into the playoffs and and quickly get beat by, uh, by organizations that are, are better designed and better, you know, I guess, set up, uh, for the future and playoff success. And I just don't, I don't see it with this group right now.
1: Well, and that's what you're trying to get to. They played a saints team. That's what been in the playoffs now for over a decade, maybe 15 years now. I mean, they take care of seven seeds like us. Like it's nobody's business. Granted you have the occasional Minnesota Vikings, you know, come up and sneak up on them a little bit, knock them out. But this is Year after year, this is them. They're in the playoffs. Playoffs aren't good enough. They're trying to make it to the Super Bowl. And you're coming up with with a good point. I mean, they are 8-8. and There's a lot of talent on the team. But I look at every single position group, and I think the good thing that the Bears have going for them is I look at each position group, and for the most part, with each position group, I can find at least one player on that unit that I like, right? But I don't think there's a single position group that you're not looking at and being like, oh, we're good there. We're fine. You know, D line linebacker, secondary, you know, whatever you want to say, wide receiver, tight end position. And I think there probably is a little bit of work to be done in almost every single position group on this team right now. So let's start here, Cameron. What would you say probably has the most depth and maybe is in the best shape right now, position group wise, heading into the offseason? I'll give you my answer. Honestly, I think it's the offensive line. I, did I will not,
0: be, I was not prepared for that answer.
1: I will be on, because look, what defensive line? You got Robert Quinn and the and the money situation. Who knows how he's going to play next year? Khalil Mack, fantastic player, year older coming back. Got to make a decision on Akeem Hicks. Don't know where Eddie Goldman's at. That in theory is probably your best position group. But I would go to bat for this offensive line because two things: one, we know that there's going to be change at that position in the off season. Two. You know you've got players like Cody Whitehair and James Daniels that you drafted and invested in, and you know that James Daniels hopefully comes back healthy. Those are young players that you can plug in. The other one is you know that Sam Mustafer and Alex Barr, I'm not saying they're starters, but I'm saying that those guys are pieces in a six-man depth rotation on an offensive line that you know you can at least have as maybe, you know, fringe starter backups or guys that maybe can be in the mix for next season. And I personally feel like that that's going to be one area that we're either going to put draft assets or money assets into in terms of age and flexibility and where they are. I mean, I I think they should move on from Bobby Massey. They're probably going to hang on to Charles Lennell. but you're looking at, you're looking at working at the tackles in the off season. Is there another position group maybe besides O-line and D-line right now that you look at and like, Hey, that, that position's deep. That position's at that position's pretty good right now. We can maybe say that we're walking into that with the arrow pointing up.
0: No, I, I do want to hit home on what you said about the offensive line. You know, I think we went on such a roller coaster this season with our, our uh, appreciation and expectations of this offensive line. Um, but no, I think you make a good point. You know, obviously they're not perfect by any means, but what we've seen from this, uh, from this group, you know, they've, they've come a long way. And some of these guys that were kind of no names or didn't really know what to expect from them early on in the year have proven that, like you said, are they starters? Maybe not, but definitely can hang. And the, the fit with the Fetty at tackle, I mean, it, it looked pretty good. And James Daniels comes back and, you know, you maybe get a, a longer, healthier Cody Whitehair. And I, I think you're right. I mean, never would have said that four weeks into the season, but I think you're right. The offensive line kind of proved to be maybe the deepest, uh, the deepest part of this team uh, throughout the season. So if, we, if, if that's, uh, I guess you're right there. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and that's, it's, it's funny, right? It's a, it's a great
1: It's an ironic twist for sure. They came into what last season with Spriggs and Coward. I think it's safe to say right now if they make a couple of moves and maybe do bring in a tackle, whether they do stick with the Fetty or not, we'll see what happens. But no matter what, Spriggs and Coward, I would say that Mustafa and Bars, if they do move to the bench, are probably upgrades over those guys. And I think that hopefully we can go in there in this offseason with the concept of we need a seven. We needed to be six, seven deep at that position right now. I think we have a better shot at being – with that kind of depth next year than we probably were when we began the season. I mean, you know, I look at running back right now, Tree Cohen's coming back. Great. That really doesn't do a lot for me personally. You know, they need to find someone that can compliment David Montgomery. They need to find somebody that when David Montgomery maybe isn't, you know, finding those holes or their seams or breaking those tackles on a week to week basis, they have someone else that can, you know, I don't know, burn a guy every once in a while, or maybe just knock someone over one of the two. Wide receiver, Allen Robinson, got decision to make on him. After that, trouble, <laughs> right? Tight end position, Demetrius Harris, no thanks. Jimmy Graham, we'll see what they do there. Secondary, you got Eddie Jackson, didn't have a great season. Deshaun Gibson, they're going to keep rotating that safety position in and out for the next couple of years. Cornerback guy, decision to make on Kyle, Kyle Fuller, good player. But honestly, of all the guys you can trade in the offseason to give cap relief, that's probably the guy you trade. So, I mean, all of a sudden, maybe that offensive line What I'm hoping, though, is they don't do the thing that they did previously, Cameron, where they said, hey, we're good. We gave money to Massey. You know, we're rolling with these guys. I hope that they keep pushing that area forward to try and get better. As of right now, do you think that the management can try and would be inclined to do that right now? Or do you think maybe they're they're maybe patting themselves on the back for how well they finished up the season?
0: No, I think that they need to learn a lesson from the from their past and and say, like, hey, you know, we can. I think that they can shore up the interior offensive line through, obviously, you know, if they needed to make a, any sort of adjustments, obviously through free agency and, you know, kind of growing players that are already in the system. If you're going to go out and get that tackle, those tackle positions shored up, that's obviously, I think, how you uh, you get that done through the draft. And so that's if I were going to make an adjustment or any sort of change there, that's where I would want to want to put my, I guess, uh, my focus would be on drafting at those tackle positions. But I, I like three to four pieces of that offensive line right now so I, I'm not I, I think you're right when in that assessment of that and then the rest of uh this group there there's just a uh, like we kind of hit home on it there's just a lot of guys that are you know you're okay but I don't the, the ceiling is just we're not really moving the needle with these groups with the with the a lot of these guys right now and uh there's just going to be a lot of tough decisions to make this offseason because it's you know you can point to them and say hey we've made the playoffs two of the last three seasons and, and Matt Nagy's won a to coach the year, but ultimately like really what is the standard? Cause this group, I, I just think ultimately is not quite there. And it's, it's, uh, I wish that I could be more specific when I say that, but it just feels like that's really my assessment of, of everything. I think that they're kind of missing someone for that running back room. They're definitely missing pieces for the wide receiver room. They're definitely missing, you know, uh, the, they're just missing people everywhere. And, uh, it's you just got to make these little tweaks to, to get them over the hump. And now they
1: have some serious decisions to make. I'm in complete agreement with you. I think the defense is going in the wrong direction. And I think the offense is spinning its tires in a puddle of mud. And the puddle of mud is a combination of, you know, the Mitch Trubisky draft pick Matt Nagy's play calling. And honestly an off season where last year we invested draft capital in the offense but what were our free agent offseason moves? Just real quick, uh, Jermaine Fetti, Ted Ginn Jr. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. That's it uh, for an offense. That fantastic Stack, Cameron. This is going to make you upset. Matt Nagy has coached 50 games as a Chicago Bears coach. The Chicago Bears have scored one touchdown or less in 18 of those games, Cameron. I'm not a math whiz, but that's pretty damn close to 50% of the time. And instead, you know, we dove a little bit deeper on the defensive side of the ball and we signed a guy like Robert Quinn. We re-signed a dude like Danny Trevathan. And unfortunately, it backfired on us because, you know, the defense just isn't really – I don't know if there is a dominant defense anymore. I don't know if that's how you win football games anymore. You know, the Steelers had a dominant defense to begin the season, lost a couple guys to injury, and now what? They're giving up 42 points to the Cleveland Browns in a playoff game. I mean, I just don't know if that is where – the philosophy of the NFL was going anymore, and now they have to ask themselves the question: You know, are they going to go reversey what Phil Emery and Mark Tressman did? Go heavy on offense, go pull back and lean down on defense. No, that didn't really work either because they were giving up fifty burgers every once in a while. It's a tough position to be in, and that's why, Cameron, I'm just with you. There are no simple answers right now.
0: No, I feel like I feel like what they really need to do is to is to maybe reallocate some of that money and and youthen up that defense and, and try and get some more explosive players on the offensive side of the ball. But it's also hard to say that that's the best move when you have some of these defensive stars, if you will, that have, you know, been productive over the years. And you say, Hey, like, this is the group that has carried this team to this point. It's really hard to just say, Hey, scrap those guys. Like those are kind of the bears guys. Those are kind of bears identity type players. It's really hard to like, to, I guess, cut bait and to, and to make that decision. So I don't really envy Ryan Pace or whoever has the luxury of being the Chicago bears general manager moving forward. All I know is that what they have is not working because I feel like they've just kind of haven't figured out their plan and they don't, haven't moved forward toward anything in a real consistent way. It's just kind of been uh, recycled recycling I I guess other other plans or other identities and they really need to recraft their own moving forward
1: and if you're being honest with yourself you're just not getting what you're paying for you know you're looking at the record what is I think is 28 and 20 in the regular season and you're saying hey that's pretty good and I would say probably predominant about amount of that is probably due to the defense but they're three and eight in their last 11 games right they couldn't beat winning teams this season So if you're looking at your strength right now and your strength isn't getting it done, then it's probably time that you start thinking about maybe attacking, you know, winning football games from a different angle. We can't get too much more deep into this podcast, Cameron, without talking about Mitchell Trubisky. This is a conversation we're probably going to have again for what the second or third season in a row over and over and over again. And I just want to hear your initial thoughts right now. And, you know, we, we're, we're guys and, and Cameron, I got to give you a lot of credit, man, where, I think you've been really, really honest and dead on with Mitch Trubisky all season long. I don't think that you're a Mitch Trubisky fan, but I do think that you have been at least able to like look at the film and give Bears fans an honest assessment of logically you know, what he can bring to the table. And I think you, what you're saying is, I think you're just on board with him not being terrible. I don't think he, he's a terrible quarterback. But now we have to ask ourselves the question, is he the right quarterback for this team? And is he the type of quarterback has he hit his ceiling as well? And if he hasn't hit his ceiling, how much higher is it really, Cameron? And is it going to be able to take us to where Bears fans want to see us go?
0: And that's really that the last part. The last thing that you said is he able to go where Bears fans want to see us go. That's really the most important part of this. Like I think that we have viewed Mitchell Trubisky and this offense from the wrong lens and the wrong scope this entire season. Because if you're going out there and you're trying to compare him to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, like that's stupid. That's not what you're getting. So, yeah, when we see the stat lines that they put up, yeah, he's disappointing. He's very disappointing. Is he perfect? No, not by any means, but he's been okay. He's been okay, and he's been able to win some games in the National Football League. And I think that ultimately, if you ran it back, if you just said, hey, let's – we'll make a couple changes. We'll put Mitchell Trubisky back in the saddle – I think that you would be safe to expect a similar result. I think that we've seen just about the best of him. And I think we've also seen kind of the worst of him. I think this is kind of who he is. He's probably a bottom third of the league starter quarterback. Maybe, maybe he's a backup, but he's a, he's a hell of an overqualified backup. You know I mean? Guy's been to a pro bowl. He's led a winning team. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not naive. Like I, I'm aware that like those teams had um, that they were led by the defense and that you know, he's kind of put in the position of just managing the situation, but like, that's what he is. Like if, if this team had all the other weapons in the world, if they had the best defense in the league, if they had the perfect scheme and he was just tasked with just managing it and making it work maybe, but like, there's plenty of other holes out there. So if, he, if you're asking Mitchell Trubisky to be like, you know, the end all be all fixer uh, of a broken down offense, like he's just not going to be able to do that. He can only plug up so many holes and uh, I think that's kind of what we've seen this this season, offensively speaking. So as far as like his future with this team, I don't, I don't know that it gets a whole lot better for this offense. And uh, I think it really just kind of falls on like what is your expectation? What is it that you're hoping to achieve uh, for this team? And there's a lot of decisions that had to be
1: make that have to be made in the offseason. In my personal opinion, the one thing that absolutely cannot happen is we got to choose between Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. I don't think we can have both those guys in the same quarterback's room moving forward any longer. And I don't think it's because it, they, they dislike each other personally. I don't think that one or maybe the other has a vendetta against each other, but they're just not on the same page. Matt Nagy clearly wants something. He's not getting it from Mitch. It's it's just a it's a square peg in a circle, a hole, or whatever you want to call that phrase or whatever. I just don't think that – I think that that relationship has been played out. And to continue to run that out there I think it would be a detriment to whatever you want to get out of Mitch Trubisky moving forward and whatever you think you want to see potential-wise out of Matt Nagy as well. There is a world where Mitch Trubisky comes back in 2021. I can wrap my head around that, but you're hitting it right on the head where Bears fans need to calibrate exactly what those expectations are going to be if he does come back. I personally think this is a great opportunity for a clean break. We're not shouting him out of town, right? You know what I mean? We're not throwing – bricks and cans and lettuce and tomato at the Mitch Trubisky car is at least town. Right. And also at the same time, we're not being put in a position where we have to give him a hundred million dollars. I think it's a perfect chance for the organization to make a clean break. Now by doing that, the options are very slim bears fans. Now everyone says, get rid of Mitch Trubisky, get rid of Matt Nagy, get rid of Ryan pace. I'm always curious. What's on the other end of that? What is your plan to replace him? And I'll tell you right now, if it's Nick Foles and whatever, Jacoby Brissett, it's not going to work out. If you draft a quarterback, you're going to be drafting quarterback in the 20s. You're looking at maybe, if you're lucky, Kyle Trask and maybe Mac Jones. Are you winning football games next year like that? Probably not. So that's the decision that you're going to have to make. And you're also looking at guys like you spent a lot of money on, on a guy like Khalil Mack. Do you want to keep an Allen Robinson around? If you do, then you're going to need a little bit better quarterback play and maybe that is Mitch Trubisky in the end, but we need to cal- calibrate what our expectations are moving forward. And I'm with you. I'm so sick and tired of this Deshaun Watts Patrick Mahomes thing. It's literally like you're at home eating a bowl of chicken noodle soup and you're watching a commercial for a and mignon, and you start having a tantrum about how you can't have steak that night. Like honestly, shut up and get over it. It's not happening, unless we're trading four first round picks. For Deshaun Watson, something else, Bears fans, I'm sure you're going to whine and moan about about how we don't have any draft capital unless we're doing that. These are kind of the parameters that we're stuck with. And real quick, let's answer this question, Cameron. If the Bears brought in a guy like, let's say a Matt Stafford or a Matt Ryan or someone named Matt, <laughs> any of these quarterbacks, those those veteran guys, you know, lay it to rest. You think really, is that going to be a market improvement? Is that really going to take us to the next level for all those Bears fans thinking that we should do that?
0: I don't think either Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford or any other Matt that we could throw in there is really going to move the needle a whole lot. I think it's again, going to be a matter of, uh, of how to, how does that guy come in and fit with the system? And if they're unable to make serious drastic changes, I think that we've just kind of gone from like a, you know, a lower third quarterback to maybe a middle third quarterback. And I don't know that that's really going to satisfy Chicago bears standards. So like this whole thing is really not so much about like, who's the quarterback. It's like, really, what do you expect from this team? Cause this, the way they're constructed right now, they're just not constructed to be a Super Bowl contending roster. So, I mean, just kind of figure out what it is that you're expecting from them. And then I guess uh, calibrate your expectations appropriately. You know, Mitchell Trubisky has been fine. Matt Stafford might do a little bit better. I don't know, but he's not going to do better in this offense. I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not like totally convinced that if you just, if you just replaced, this, uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky with Matt Stafford in this offense that like they're markedly better all of a sudden. It's just, I'm not really sure that that's how that works. So, you know, I think that personally, I'm, I kind of believe that the Chicago Bears are like in football purgatory where they're just like sitting on the verge of being in the playoffs and they're also on the verge of maybe being terrible, but like that's kind of their, that's kind of their range. I don't think that they get a whole lot better. And um, I don't think they're really in position to make big changes. Like they just kind of, are stuck in this middle space, this middle zone. And it's going to take something drastic, like a big time move to, to see a big swing one way or the other. And
1: unfortunately a little bit better, isn't going to be good enough for these Chicago bears in 2021. And they going to are going to need significant improvement. It just really laid itself out. Cameron. I noticed in the, in the, the play by play, we don't often get Tony Romo on our Chicago bears calls. I did notice, I think it was somewhere in the second and third quarter. He's, you know, he's obviously renowned and known for seeing plays ahead of time, noticing coverages, seeing what opposing defenses are trying to do to a quarterback. He said at one point in the game, you know, he did the, ah, oh, Jim thing. And it was these moments where he's seeing the bears run routes and he's saying, you know, he's saying on the commentary, something I'm paraphrasing along the lines of, you know, this is where it's the playoffs. You have to be challenging the second level of these coverages, you know, you have to be taking these chances for Mitch Trubisky. He sees the thing on his left and then checks down to his left. And he's goes, what you really got to be doing is seeing the left checking the right. And then, and then checking back to your check down, if it's not there. And you need to be challenging those second levels of defenses. Is that a confidence thing that's been ingrained into Mitch Trubisky through all this time where he doesn't trust himself to even look that way to challenge that type of throw. Or is this maybe just a little bit more of the quarterback that he is at this point in his career?
0: I think early on, we were kind of like hoping, Hey, does this guy get to that point? And maybe when he didn't, it was like a matter of confidence, but I'm almost taking a different approach in my assessment of that right now, because I think that what we found is that Mitchell Trubisky is like pretty good up to a certain point. And like when he plays in that lane, when he plays at that level, like, I'm not asking him to make like the third read, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I want to almost dumb it down, level it back, dial it back and like, see what he's good at. And I think that like, we've kind of seen that. And I think that's exactly what you saw yesterday is it's like a, it's going to get beat in the playoffs. I I don't know if that makes any sense, but what I'm saying is like that he could try like that upper level stuff, you know, those upper level reads and try and be something that he's not, but I don't think he's going to be any good at it. But then, obviously, you go and get good at what you're good at, but it's not probably hard enough or advanced enough to make you really all that much better, if that makes any sense at all.
1: No, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, there, there's a world, and people probably don't like hearing it, but if it was a driving contest, Mitch Trubisky could be the best 45-mile-an-hour driver in the world. No one else makes the turns. No one else does the stops. No one else at 45 miles an hour does it better than Mitch Trubisky. But if you put him in a 75 mile an hour race, which is probably where most Bears fans want to see him, he's probably going to, he's probably going to wreck the car. And I think that's a little bit of what you're saying. I mean, there's, there's a world where that can exist, where he can excel, succeed, and be efficient playing a certain type of football When you ask him to do something else, and unfortunately, maybe that's where the playoffs bear that out a little bit. You know, that's where he struggles. That's where the offense, you know, the offensive game plan shrinks. You know, maybe that's when you're hanging your head on a trick play where you're bringing a wildcat and then Mitch Trubisky throws a bomb and you have to get it because if you don't get it, you're pretty much screwed for the rest of the game. And maybe that's just a part of what they're dealing with. And Cameron, let's be really, really fair about this. I was kind of like looking. You know, everyone all week long was just like, I can't believe Mitch Trubisky's in the playoffs. Can you believe it? You know, and I was like, wait a second, hold on. Let's go through the rest of these teams. You go through every single team that is in the playoffs right now. You look at their quarterback and you, and for the most part, outside of the Ram situation with Goff and Wolford, because Goff is legitimately hurt. You're kind of going, okay, that's a little weird. Go outside of the people and the teams that didn't make the playoffs and find me. Five quarterbacks that you legitimately, no doubt in your mind, would rather have than a Mitch Trubisky that where it isn't a debate, right? You've got a Deshaun Watson, you got a Kyler Murray, and then go up and down the list, dude. It really isn't that, you know, we're going to talk Matt Stafford versus Mitch Trubisky. Would you rather have a 35-year-old Matt Stafford or a 25-year-old Trubisky? We can have that debate. Matt Ryan, is he washed? Is he, you know, has he seen maybe too many hits, hits to the old noggin? You know, the Cam Newtons, the Andy Daltons of the world, the Daniel Joneses of the world. Jimmy G, we can have this conversation because, in the end, you know, he was, he had limitations too, as well, even though they went to a Super Bowl. These teams that aren't in the playoffs, you know, it's not like that the quarterbacks are lighting the world really on fire. I know that there's some good quarterbacks on the way coming Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. We'll see, right? You know, it, it really is just a different level of play right there. And, and I think the Bears are going to have to really try and thread this needle in terms of not just what they want to do in the next year, but in the next two or three years. If they are going for it and trying to get a Super Bowl or maybe they're trying to recalibrate, as you said, youthen up a little bit and maybe take
0: a run at it in a couple of years. Well, I think a bigger thing and something that's really important to consider when you're doing these assessments is that there's really not that many great quarterbacks. There just aren't. There's not that many great quarterbacks. There's a handful out there that we all know the names of that can just like absolutely take a, a garbage team and and push them through and make them work no matter what really like that that group is small we're talking about like eight or nine quarterbacks and then there's probably a handful that are you know pretty good uh you know mid-level starters and then the rest I mean I'm, we're talking about I don't know there's probably nine or ten quarterbacks that start in the NFL that I would say are just a you know kind of a toss-up of like hey you know which sees what you get and and you know we could trade our guy for your guy and I think the Bears happen to have one or two of those guys you know so like just the this idea that that is just like it's unbelievable is you know that's just ridiculous it's a lot of it just like i said it all comes back to your expectations and if you really were were being fair in your expectations and in your assessment you'd be like hey this guy's fine he's he's fine I just think it's a
1: false narrative, right? I mean, Phillip Rivers on the Colts. I mean, do they really think that Phillip Rivers is going to put them on their shoulders and carry them to a Super Bowl? You know, Baker Mayfield's had plenty of criticisms over the years. Ben Roethlisberger's going to the Hall of Fame, but, you know, he's 37. He just threw four interceptions last night. I'm with you, man. There's only like five or six guys that are true, true difference makers. And I saw one of those five or six guys, Russell Wilson, not play his best offensive football over the weekend too as well. So there's a lot more that goes into him that just like, you know, what are we going to do with Trubisky? What exactly is going to happen? And why can't he make this throw? And why can't he play like that?
0: It's not so simple as just pointing at this guy and saying like, oh, this, this whole thing's his fault or, you know, like, oh, we switch him out and we can fix this. It's just not, you know, that's dumb. That's just not, that is just not a, a very advanced understanding of what's going on on the field. And, and uh, it's just a dumb narrative. Cameron,
1: we're going to get out of here in just two things. We're going to play a quick lightning round real quick. I'm just going to read you the name of a player. And you just tell me right now, what not whether they deserve to be back or whether they need to be back, whether you just think they will be back in general with you know their salary, their age, maybe it's their production, maybe it's their lack of production. Let's just rip through a list right now and let's just, you know get on the record. Let's see what happens here. We're going to start first. Robert Massey in 2021, is he a Chicago Bear? No. I agree. I don't think that he is either. $9.3 million. Didn't finish the season. They got to move on from that area. Akeem Hicks. Yes, I think probably. 10 million dollar cap hit another year older it's and real quick just not to dovetail but if you are going to if you really want to improve your offense next season he might be the sacrificial lamb that you might have to get rid of to free up some money he's
0: definitely someone that i would consider it i just you know getting a player of that caliber that can really anchor a defense and stop and you know have such an impact against running games you know those guys they're not super easy to come by You, you know Do you want to pay someone that age that much? I don't know. I'm guessing he will be, but I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't.
1: Yeah. I would love to have him back on the team. This is just, this is nut crunch time. Uh, Another player that maybe also could be a guy on the move that would free up some more money to put into the offense. Kyle Fuller. Is he back in 2021?
0: I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Um, Obviously it's, it's a big one, big contract, expensive player, but an all around good, a a good corner and someone that's uh, an important culture guy. I think he'll be back.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I think the Bears, if they want to do something with their offense, sign A-Rob to a long-term deal, maybe get a secondary wide receiver. They might have to choose between Hicks and Kyle Fuller. We shall see. Deshaun Gibson, 2021. No way. Me neither. I think they keep, they keep that revolving door going. They bring in the next dude from the Texans or he started 15 games for the Jaguars. And just, you know what I mean? Play that position again. Jimmy yeah. Graham,
0: 2021. I like to imagine that when he scored that touchdown and ran in the tunnel, he just ran into retirement. I think is it possible could be honestly, it, it's too bad that it was in a loss, but it would be a really badass way to, to retire to go up and get a one-handed snag as time expires at the place where he like his career really took off like that and then just run into the tunnel it was it was a sick catch side note sick catch um, <laughs>
1: unbelievable, unbelievable snag uh couldn't have watched it when i was more upset but <laughs> nonetheless danny trevathan 2021 no way yeah i mean i don't know what they do there they just gave him more money uh, we were talking before the pot of how dead cat money works we're not totally sure but I just don't, I, I think that's the thing where you got to move on. I think you could probably get the same type of production from that. If Roquan comes back and keeps getting better, I think you can go on and get a third or fourth round linebacker, sign someone, sign John Bostic for crying out loud, bring that dude back who keeps starting for team after team after team and leading guys and tackles, bring him back on the cheap for crying out loud.
0: And I'd also like to see them try to make an effort to get people that are on the same timeline as Roquan, you know, uh, having some of these guys that, that are a little bit longer in the tooth and older in their career and further down the line you know like Danny Trevathan's a great player and has probably been a good mentor but um, you know I would like to see them get younger across the board especially on that defense and I think that that's a good spot to do it
1: that's a great call Charles Leno Jr your boy
0: I I think he will be. I think he'll be back. I think he looked really good, um, you know, later on in the season. And, you know, he's, for whatever reason, fairly inconsistent. But when he's playing well, I mean, he plays really well. And, and I thought that he looked good. And that offensive line, for the most part, has looked pretty, pretty darn good in the back half of the season. Yeah. I don't think he's perfect. I don't think he's the
1: problem either. Right. I think you need to invest in right tackle or, you know, I don't know if Leno can move over to right tackle. If they go out and sign a left tackle and offseason free agency, they need to spend some money in that area, but I don't think he's necessarily the problem. I like that too, as well. Two left Allen
0: Robinson. Nope. I just, no. I don't think it's, I don't think it's salvageable. I mean, I won him. I, I of course I, I want this back, but you know, given the comments today when he said that we had three hundred and sixty-five days to to see this thing get done, I mean like that doesn't sound like someone who's really confident about coming back and seeing this go. And so, you know, that's why I think that they'll end up ultimately spending more money on the defense because they're gonna look around and go, Well, I don't know where where else we where, where else we put this money. I don't I don't think that they're gonna be able to salvage this.
1: But I'd like it. They do have the opportunity to franchise tag him. Do you just think that maybe causes a bigger problem, or could be a training camp holdout, all that stuff? He's not
0: gonna like it. <laughs> he's not gonna. He's not gonna like that situation. So I mean, uh, I, I don't. Whatever happens, whether you know if they decide to franchise franchise tag him or whatever it may be, I don't think that he's gonna be a happy camper. I don't think it's gonna be a good locker room situation, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not really optimistic about uh, Allen Robinson and his future with the Bears. Chuck Pagano return in 2021.
1: I'm gonna say no. I don't think so either. I think it might be time. He might do the retire thing. Yeah, like that's fired, kind of I'm gonna retire. Thank you for everything. Move on. Yes. Someone
0: else. Yeah, I think it might end up stepping down. You know, had a couple goes at it, and obviously a, a great coach and a, and a good coordinator, but uh, I think it might be time.
1: And finally, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy won both or neither in 2021. The big one, baby. Doug Peterson got fired today. So for anyone that says that it's not possible, that dude just won a Super Bowl like two, three years ago, and now he's out of a job.
0: Three years ago, he's on a statue. He's on a statue. offensive of coordinator, Cameron? Uh, Get oh another one gosh. of Nagy's buddies in the room? I'm thinking that uh, we're going to have to endure another year of Matt Nagy, but I don't think that we'll see any more Ryan Pace. Interesting.
1: Ryan Pace as in out of the organization, or there's also the rumor going around that they would promote him to president and hire a new general
0: manager. And I don't, I don't know that you don't do a great job so much so that they're looking for someone else to do your job for you, and then you get get a get a promotion for that. I don't really know what's going on at the at the highest level, but all I know is that I've not been thrilled with his ability to put rosters together. Uh, so I would say that there's definitely going to be someone else. I, I'm guessing that someone else will be uh, calling the shots from the GM position next year.
1: Yeah, in terms of Ryan Pace, he has made some good picks in his career, but he has been a little too. Again, the whole thing, the organization is very cute. It just thinks that it knows things that you don't. It always, like, you know, the Adam Shaheen is such a perfect example of, like, hey, we know something that you don't. He's from Abilene Christian, and he's the next Rob Gronkowski. Well, okay, if that's what you think. But when it doesn't work out like that, you know, there's going to be egg on your face. Like, that's kind of how it goes. For every Tariq Cohen, there's an Adam Shaheen. And then, again, drafting up consistently to get these guys especially on offense. These dudes that honestly, I mean, to the most part, you know, Dave Montgomery's worked out, but I mean, has he like worked out? Is he a stud? Is he a star? I don't know. Is he a French pro Bowl player? Maybe, but I mean, a lot of these guys, Anthony Miller hasn't really worked out. So my only opinion is I do in general think Matt Nagy is a decent head coach. I like him. I can see him having success. This is keep in mind. Like he's a young head coach. This is only his third year actually running the show and i get it the growing pains are tough the learning curve is different for everyone so i'm trying to be like comfortable with that but i have to be honest with you cameron and i want your opinion for me it's both or none i i can't do this half and half thing again i can't do i i personally as a bear's fan i don't want to see hire a new general manager let's see how matt Nagy does for a year and then just fire him the year after and then start over again that feels like a wasted year to me conversely also where if you do a Ryan pace and you let him hire a new coach and then the next year, Ryan pace gets fired. And then, you know, the carousel continues to move on forward. We've seen this within the bears organization when this doesn't work. So, you know, what is your thought on that? I mean, can,
0: can one guy survive and and still be successful when he has a new boss? You didn't ask me what i liked or what i would do you said yeah, what, what, I you think thought? Ha- what i think will happen is that uh i i think True. that the chicago bears in classic chicago bears fashion will take a half measure and True. they're gonna they're gonna let one of them stick around i personally dude i'm a band-aid i'm gonna rip i'm gonna rip that thing off every time and it's gonna hurt there's gonna be some skin might pull off a little bit of a, a little bit of your nipple in the process i'm gonna i'm pulling the whole thing off but we're gonna restart and we're gonna you know, we're going to cut it down if it's up to me. But I don't think that's how the Bears operate. They, I don't know if it's a matter of pride or what, but they always want to see things through and and prove that they didn't make a mistake. And I think that in itself is a mistake. I would rather you see a clean slate and bring in two new fresh faces and start this thing off in a new direction. But uh, I think that they'll probably say, well, there was some good stuff. We made the playoffs and try it again in some variation of that. We're and so close. Uh, yeah, we're, we're right there. We're, we're right, right there.
1: there. We're, we're right there. This is my Ryan Pace impression. And, we're, and you know what, Cameron? We're right there. We're right there. That's the bummer too, right? Where If, if, we, if we play Rip the Band-Aid off, if we play Cameron's style right here, you got yourself a really interesting situation where you go out and you hire a president who then hires the general manager, then hires the head coach. And over the next two years, you build around Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith. And eventually, you're going to have to rework the defensive line. Probably Eddie Goldman's in that list. And Khalil Mack. I think Khalil Mack's going to be, what, an above average to slash elite player for the next three or four seasons. On offense, you've got an offensive line that I think is young. We'll see how talented they can become. But I think you've got some young pieces there. David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, and Nicole Komet. That's not a terrible start. You do need to find that quarterback, but if you, if you wiped it all out and brought in new people, you know, next year probably wouldn't be very great, but maybe the year after that you could be looking at something with a new core and,
0: and, and maybe something you can build on and get excited about again. I don't think it's going to be great next year. Anyway, if they run it back, I say that they have a nine win season or ceiling on it. I think they're going to be sitting in that six to 10 wins category for the next three or four years if they don't make a big move. And that's what I'm saying. Rip the bandaid off. You've got this young core. You've got players that you can build around. And just get some new fresh faces, some new energy in there, and say, hey, this next year might suck. But at least we know who we're going to be moving forward. But uh, I I just don't think that the Bears are the type to make a decision like that.
1: I may already know the answer, but I want to get this into your wheelhouse real quick. If the Bears go out and spend big money on an offensive tackle, They get James Daniels back, and they put out, let's just call it whatever, pro football focus, whatever you want to say, a top five offensive line. Like truly like the Dallas Cowboy unit of four or five years ago, what the Cleveland Browns have a little bit of right now. Put out that kind of unit and maybe bring in a second running back, and that's all they do. Bring back Mitch. Roll it all back with maybe a complimentary running back and a top five offensive line. Could, is that, is that maybe the short-term, is that the bandage? Is that the short-term way to
0: get a lot better, a lot quicker? I think that that's going to push them over into a few more wins. I mean, I don't know that that, but I don't think that. I don't think it's going to get them into the Super Bowl conversation. I still think that there's going to be that time where we face a stout run-stopping defense like the New Orleans Saints, and we're sitting on the 12-yard line on third and goal from the 12 because we had some sort of penalty and we don't know how to get the ball 12 yards. I mean, I still think that that's likely, but I do think that they're going to be in a better position. I still, I think that they're going to win more games in the regular season. I think that they're going to have a better identity moving forward. And I would love to see that get done, but I still think that there's another step to that. There's another level to that, but I do think that that would go a long way.
1: Yeah. and And obviously this could be all pie in the sky, because if you don't have the quarterback situation figured out, if you're not really buying into Mitch Trubisky, you're not necessarily going out and paying top dollar for offensive linemen in the off season. That's that, that to me personally, seems like that, that tends to be like the last big piece. That's what, you know, that's when Andrew Whitworth goes to the Rams for big time money. And then the whole thing transforms. That's when you feel like that you're a piece away from doing it. And the bears just might not feel like that. They're there. Cameron, this is the end of our regular season playoff portion of believe in bears. Um, uh, Any parting words out there to the bears fans before we say goodbye.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in with us for this awesome journey that has been the Believe in Bears twenty twenty. It hasn't season. been boring. It has not been boring. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not a. Uh, it's been it's been an eventful ride. We've went on the Fuller coaster. We were on the the Trubisky truck. We uh, <laughs> we've done it all. But it's been a lot of fun, and we appreciate you guys tuning in every single week.
1: Yeah, it's been such a pleasure, man. And uh, just on behalf of myself, yeah, thank you all to the Believe in Bears fans and people that have listened to the pod that have shared it, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, blah, 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 all that stuff. And a special thanks to you, Cameron, man. Uh, it's been really great uh, talking about this with you. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully an off season where we're still cutting it up and trying to figure it out, maybe getting a little bit more loose with stuff, but also at the same time, man, like just hearing your insights, uh, your knowledge. You played, you played the game. I know you like to be humble and modest, man, but honestly, truly on behalf of myself and believe in Bears fans, I know that we can say that you have been uh, incredible this season, teaching us, you know, showing us, you know, what to look for, what not to buy into, you know, there's so many false narratives with this Bears team right now. Bears fans can get so uh, they can hyperventilate fairly quickly. So it's nice to keep you grounded. And you've been able to help us do that, man. So thank you.
0: i appreciate it man it's been a lot of fun doing this with you and uh you've definitely you've you've pumped me up for some stuff and uh you know made me made me look at some stuff in a in a different light but it's been a lot of fun doing the show with you every week, man. that's what
1: i'm there for man my address is always outside of the box for sure (laughs) cameron this is uh this was a fun uh disappointing but uh you know a fun episode to talk with you about we've got plenty more to talk about in the off season i'm sure a lot more news is going to be coming down the pipe very soon Cameron, uh, take us home on a uh, a disappointing, yet very very uh, intellectually uh, fulfilling pod today.
0: If you guys have been, li- been listening to the Believe and Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, make sure you tune in whenever <laughs> we're knows? gonna we'll creep out just when you least expect it. <laughs> and make sure you check out some other Believe podcasts because there's a lot of great content being across uh, being produced across the entire platform. Uh, for Joey Christopoulos, I'm Cameron Lee. Thank you guys for tuning in. And remember to always bear down. Thanks for the support, Grandma. <laughs>